WATD presents The People's Truth, a show dedicated to bringing communities together and keeping the truth alive. Join us each week as we shine the light of justice on topics, people, and local businesses that highlight the real people's truth. Here is your host, Benny Rabbi. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, yes, it's Monday night. It is 9.04 at this moment, and we want to welcome you. Benny Rabbi here with you, 95.9 FM WATD, The People's Truth, where we bring communities together and keep that truth alive. It's a wonderful thing, and as always, our trusty sidekick with us, Jay Cromie. Jay, welcome to the program, my friend. Ben, as always, thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me inside. Ah, yes. One of those rare escapes for the week where we all just get to come get together and talk around the campfire, the water cooler, whatever you want to call it. Today, we are all among friends. Ben, I thought Ed Perry told you to stop lighting fires in the WATD studio. He did, but he also said to make sure that they were supervised when I did, which we also did. So I feel like we're in compliance here. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. I'll allow it. Thank you, old troll of rock and roll, getting his shout-out here on The People's Truth. As always, nothing here on the WATD network happens without the man with the plan. So we do give thanks, as always. And we are joined in studio with another very special guest, reoccurring also on this show, Tony LaGreca here with us. Tony, welcome, my friend. Yes, <clears throat> thank you, Ben. It's a pleasure to be able to come in outside out of the cold. Absolutely. Out of the show tonight. It is cold out there. Make no mistake. Uh, you, you notice that sound the tower makes when the wind goes whipping by it at about a billion miles an hour? Oh, I do. It sings. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's a very interesting sound, I'll say that, folks. And it is a 200-foot tower, so, uh, you know, I hope it stays right where it is. Nothing for nothing. Nothing yeah. for nothing. Uh, so thank you. And uh, Tony is here with a couple of guests. He's brought us here connecting via Zoom, uh, Mr. David Swindell and Franklin Cook. And uh, they're going to talk to us about a couple of different things. But, folks, before we get started, I just want to remind you, if you've missed any past episodes or if you'd like to find out more about what we're doing here at The People's Truth, you can always go on to Spotify and Google Podcast and Radio.com and just pretty much ask your smart speaker to play The People's Truth, and it'll bring it right up for you. But we are uh, coming up on our 20th episode already, Jay. Can you believe this? What? I know. 20? Already. Already. You That's know? amazing. It's a beautiful thing. You know, you give the people what they want and they keep coming back for more. So we are always appreciative of our listeners and uh, everyone that's coming over here as well from the all-new 1510 AM WMEX where uh, Benny Rabbi, myself, yours truly, a little self-ego uh, there on that one. I got a show, 2 to 5, and actually t starting tomorrow, I'm happy to announce we are returning to regular hours. We are now starting at 2 p.m. and going till 6 o'clock, rocking and rolling with the greatest hits of all time. Isn't that something? Benny Rabbi, getting you home in the afternoons. Oh, yeah. And we take requests, folks. We play all the greatest hits. Nothing's off limits as far as your buddy Benny is concerned. Anything from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and I might even sneak a couple of 90s in there if you ask real, real nice. Uh, we even just had some brand new Johnny Cash uploaded finally, so that was great. But anyway, enough of that. On to the reason why we're here here tonight. Tony, I'm going to turn it over to you, my friend, so you can introduce your guest. They have some messages to share with our listeners. And folks, if you don't have your pen and paper next to you for this one, you're doing it wrong. Tony, please. Yes, <clears throat> thank you, Ben. Um, we have Franklin Cook and David Swindell. And the 
reason why they're here is because both of them are facilitating a grief group that I found a few months back. And I really believe that people out there have a misunderstanding about grief groups. Um, I actually lost my son six years ago and I became a <clears throat> member of a grief group at uh, Hope Floats in Kingston. And I was very reluctant to do it. But when I got there, I found that was the best place I could ever be because I found other people who were exactly in the same situation that I was in, um, losing a child from substance abuse. So um, grief groups really, really help people go forward, not move on, but go forward. And Franklin has been doing the grief groups, I think, for 20 plus years. Is that correct, Franklin? Yeah, I've been at it since 1999. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> thank you for the work that you do. Yeah, and, yeah and well, we, th thank you for having us. And people who run grief groups, they don't get paid. They get paid from uh, the feeling of doing good for being on the earth and, and, and seeing, <coughs> seeing results. In the, in the group I'm in with David and Franklin, um, I've seen a few fellows that came on that were, had recent deaths with their father and their son and and um and you know it's been it's a road you know and we have to travel that road and um frank <clears throat> franklin how did you um how'd you start and tell us a little bit about how you go about it yeah sure well these are these are uh peer peer-led uh grief groups so it is uh it is one bereaved person helping another and in fact everybody who comes actually helps each other there just happens to be one or two guys who are facilitating who have a little training on how to uh keep the conversation focused on what is most helpful and uh open up a space that's safe uh for the people who are there and yeah it's a it's a pretty um unstructured uh approach uh, people talk about their own experiences. People talk about what has helped them, what hasn't helped them. They talk about uh, challenges that they encounter. Uh, these groups that uh, we're doing are all for people who have lost a loved one to substance use from, from any means, but most of those are overdose deaths. So both Dave and I have, as have you, uh, Tony, you know, have lost a loved one to uh, substance use. And, um, that's how I got started. I got started because my dad died of, uh, of suicide because of substance use, I guess you would say. Um, I started my work in this area, just working with suicide loss survivors. And now I work with, uh, people who have uh, lost a, a loved one from, uh, mostly from overdose now because of the epidemic. That's right. <clears throat> and, um, and David, um, what's, how did you get involved? Um, when I, uh, before I lost my son, Christopher, is something that Franklin just touched on. I was involved with a group called Learn to Cope. And what I discovered there was when you walk in, um, you get this connectedness to other people. It's a, it's a subgroup where the people actually understand where you're coming from. Um, much less, you know, the, the population in general doesn't necessarily uh have the same experience that you've had so it's sort of like you found your people so then when i lost my son um i thought you know i wonder if there's a group out there that that deals in the grief world you know in order 
to, you know, help me to get through the grief of losing my son, in turn also helping my own family. So uh, I reached out and I connected actually with Franklin and started uh, attending some of his grief grief groups and grief training. Um, and, and again, it's because it's the connection with, you know, those have, who have walked the path. You know, we all have a common grief, um, but we're all unique in our own way. So I think that's a key thing with the, with the peer support is that we can relate, but at the same token, you know, we can, um, this is what worked for me. This is what didn't work for me. Uh, and the individuals can listen to that and, and either take that home and try it or not. So, so that's sort of how I got involved. That's good. <clears throat> Cause, um, one of the things that, um, president, um, Obama has in his new book, which I think is really important for people to understand. A lot of people right now who are listening to us um, may not have ever had a close loved one die. But uh, as kind of cruel as it sounds, Obama says that, you know, within a certain period of time, we're all going to be dust. So that means everybody on earth that's a living will lose a loved one. And when that time comes, um, it's better to be prepared before it happens than after it happens. So to be aware of grief groups is, I think, one of the most important things for, for people to um, uh, to understand. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, David, I just want to ask you, you said you, you, you sought out one of these groups uh, prior to losing your son, which, by the way, I'm sorry that happened. Um, so explain to me how that came about. How did you end up seeking the group out prior to actually needing that like that? Well, my son was struggling and we were trying to help him and we were struggling because what we were trying wasn't succeeding. So, you know, you go through everything you think is going to help and it doesn't work. So now where do you turn? So I had heard about this, the group called Learn to Cope. And uh, so I figured, you know, you take a big chance. And this is one of the big challenges with people, whether it's grief or learn to cope, is that it really takes you got to step out of your comfort zone to go to these groups. So I took a giant leap of faith, if you will, and stepped out of my comfort zone and went to this Learn to Cope group, which is parents, primarily parents, um, who have children who are struggling with addiction. And within 10 minutes, 15 minutes of just sitting there, the first meeting, I was the new guy in the back of the room. I instantly got a connection like these people totally understand it. They're living the life that I'm living. And that was sort of the connection with it. And it was that type of connection that led me into the grief group. And it was, you know, how can I find people that are, you know, in the same or similar situation that I'm in? Um, and, and that's the connection there. The, um, yeah, their, their peer help is for families. Learn to cope right. is a different kind of peer help. And our, Peer help is for bereaved people, and so it's just a different, different experience, different I guess, order. in a way. Yeah, you made yeah. a you made a great point about uh, coming out of your comfort zone to uh, to come into one of these peer groups. I think that's very important because I do believe that. Um, if you're a family member of someone struggling with addiction, or if you're yourself or uh, struggling with something, there is a, a stigma of it. Um, 
it just it's something you kind of don't want to um, make make public or go to someone else and be like, I'm having this problem because you know you you're afraid that uh, you're going to be looked down on for something, and it's just so important that people should be more accepting and more open to be, you know, I need help. Please, like, let's let's try and get some help here, like, and get those resources together because that's just so important in this epidemic, which it really is an epidemic, and it has been um, for a very long time. An ongoing fight for sure, but thank goodness we have good people here like Franklin, David, and Tony on the forefront of this fight. And this is, folks, make no mistake, the good fight. Every life is worth saving, and nobody should ever be left behind. So I applaud you, gentlemen, for doing everything you uh, have and can do to this point. Uh, we are up against the clock, so uh, stay with us, obviously. We're going to come right back on The People's Truth here on 95.9 FM WATD after a quick word from these sponsors. This is Chris Atwood from 95.9 WATD. Join me this Friday from 6.15 to 10 p.m. for The Alternative, when we flash back to 70s punk, 80s new wave, 90s Britpop, and new music from today. The Alternative, this Friday from 6.15 to 10 p.m. on 95.9 WATD. Welcome back, 95.9 FM, W-A-T-D. Your host, Betty Rabbi, alongside Jay Crombie and Tony LaGreca, live in studio. Joining us via Zoom, Mr. David Swindell and Mr. Franklin Cook. And we are talking about the importance of these groups and how important it really has been to the structure of the healing process. And Tony, if you would uh, get us back into this, uh, the healing process, it's different for everybody. And speaking from your own experience, what were some of the big misconceptions that it was very difficult to articulate to others and how it needed to be for you individually? Well, <clears throat> the biggest thing is people who have never lost a, a child, uh, they, they absolutely don't, don't understand. Um, and, and some of the comments that I can say that I could share that other people have mentioned to me, some people would say, Aren't you over it yet? Like, like they had a cold or something. You know? My jaw drops when I hear <clears throat> something yeah, I, like that. It's like unbelievable when people say something like that. It's crazy that people could even be that thick the, that they, they think that they are. But they are, and and then they say, "Well, I know how you feel. My dog died two years ago." And then relate uh, it to a pet. Uh, yeah, that's another one. You know, uh, or <laughs> or somebody relating a, a death of a 21 year old to the death of their 93 year old grandmother. Yeah, you know, it, you can't compare that and. I mean, I know a gentleman who goes to the Mayflower Cemetery in Duxbury almost every day, and his son died 24 years ago. And he was, he was, his son was 19 at the time, and, and, and he still goes, and I'm sure he's going to go until the end of his life. Um, you know, it's just, that's what happens. And, you know, you can't, you don't always, <clears throat> you don't move on, you move forward, and you carry the hole in your heart for the rest of your life, you know, um, and then if you have somebody who died from a suicide, and um, I can relate to Franklin, because I've had a relative who also died of suicide, and that's a whole different scenario. You know, the feeling of emptiness of why did they leave? And I'm gonna let Franklin talk about that since he's our guest tonight. You know, the feeling of, you know, you've done a lot of peop work with people with, that have had relatives who passed from the suicide. Yeah, I think, you know, I think I can really talk about um, both uh, people dying of suicide and people dying from 
an overdose in a similar way in that they're both stigmatized deaths. So what you were talking about earlier, um, Ben, was the the idea that um, you're looked down upon or that you're seen as weak or that um, uh, you're basically sometimes blamed for you know what what happens uh what happens to you um even though you have the disease of addiction or the disease of mental illness you know my dad died of a mental illness and of the disease of addiction as well and so those really are um and not always our our, our societies come a long ways but but my dad died in 1978 and so the stigma goes uh, it gets passed on to the survivors and, you know, you're looked at by some people as your grief is not as important as uh, other people's grief or that your person wasn't important or your person was their own fault that they died or, you know, there's just a lot, there's just a lot to stigmatize death and it's very, very, very difficult. And thank goodness that's, that's just part of the background noise. That's not everybody by any means, you know, we, we got enlightened folks, you know, everywhere and our society's come a long ways, but there's, there's plenty. If you, uh, if you have this happen to you, you will experience uh, some kind of stigma. Um, and in my day, you know, I, you know, experienced a lot of stigma over it. Right. I'm sorry that that happened to you, my friend, first and foremost, it, like we were just saying, people can be really, really ignorant sometimes on a lot of sensitive issues. And it's, it's just one of those things that, uh, again, my jaw drops when I hear examples of people undermining something that something that sensitive. I just don't for the life of me understand. Uh, David, I'd love to hear from you, your, your opinion on the same. Well, I think, um, thank you. You know, quite frankly, I just don't think that they, they understand um really what's going on they're not experiencing it um it's not them so i think it's, it's that kind of scenario and i mean we touched on a couple of things it's you know when somebody somebody dies uh, you go in if it's personal if it's a family member right you know you get hit with grief grief can be confusing to begin with you know all these different feelings come up and then um you know and all these different emotions will occur you know, how do you deal with those things, you know, and your challenges, and then you add the layer of, of stigma onto it. If it's a, you know, substance use disorder death, um, that's another added layer to it. So it becomes very, very challenging for people, you know, as they sit, in, you know, in their home alone, trying to, trying to wrestle with that. And then you've got, you know, these well-meaning people that come and, and they'll say things, you know, I've, I've had, People say to me, well, he's better off where he is, you know, you know, and I'm like, well, what was the choice? And well, in their mind, right, their choice was either the addiction or death. And I came back, I said, well, what about the third choice? And they just look at me. I said, what about if he recovered and actually lived a successful life that never even occurred to them? Which, and there are plenty of strong people out there that have battled and they have won. And then they have gone on and triumphed. And anytime I personally come across those people, and I've got a few good friends where, they, you know, before COVID times, of course, people would just kind of show up to parties here and there, family gatherings, barbecues, whatever. And there was at least one occasion where a friend of mine walked out and got out of his car. And I said, 
Oh, my God, I'm just so happy to see you. The way things were going X amount of time ago, I didn't think you'd be here at all. Yeah. You know, so uh, there are success stories out there, and it, it is a matter of so much. It's just so hard to even try to articulate it and boil it down to a simplicity because you can't. It, it's just one of those things that you can't. Yeah, Ben, I'd, <clears throat> I'd like to say that if uh, anybody would like to join the conversation, the phone number is 781 837 4900-781-837-4900. And anybody out there, we'd like to hear from you if you've been part of a, a grief group. And uh, <clears throat> I'd like to add to what uh, Dave and Franklin just said, that the, the best part of a grief group is everybody in the group totally understands how you feel. They're all peers that are the, going through the same thing. And it's a relief to know that there's there's others in the same predicament that you're in. You know, when, when I w first started at a, at a grief group in Hope Floats, um, I was lost, you know, and, and they helped me at least find my way, you know. And then it got to the point where I looked forward to going all the time because I knew that I was comfortable around these people. And, uh, <clears throat> and I became the facilitator after a year myself. I never thought I'd ever do that. I, first day, first, I did, couldn't even find my way in the door. And then after a while, I'm, I'm running a group with 16 to 18 people in it. Because you were motivated to help people, and it was part of your healing process, clearly, to be able to do that. So it, it's, it's amazing that you found a place that you could have that outlet, Tony. And I think especially, again, it all comes down to stigma, I mean, especially us as guys, as men, you know, we're, we're big, tough, strong men. We don't have emotions. We don't have feelings. There's no crying in baseball, you know, under any circumstances. Yeah. So that's another side of the complex to try to deal with. And I, I just want to give everybody a round of applause for being able to overcome that because that's one of the biggest things holding all of us as people back. So yeah. good on you for doing that, honestly. Uh, two other things, Ben, I'd like to make mention. <clears throat> um, Hope Floats is in Kingston. You can go to their website. Just put Hope Floats Kingston. If you don't put Kingston, you're going to get about, going to get stuff about a couple of movies named Hope Floats. Oh, I was going to say, I thought it was hopefloatswellness.org. Yeah, that, that's remember, a still one you too. You can remember all that. Hopefloatswellness.org, folks. Because right now, all of our all of our grief groups are on Zoom, uh, and that's that makes it easier for beginners, I believe. Um, so. Um, Hope Floats is 781-585-4221. And, and there are so many groups. Like right now, we, I think we have three or four groups just for people who have relatives who died of COVID. That is the biggest new group now. Um, we have a couple other new groups for people who have lost their spouse. Um, if you've been married to somebody 30, 40 years and they've died you know that's a tough road you know all of a sudden you've been you're so accustomed to being with somebody and then all of a sudden they're just not there anymore and you're still living in the same house probably that's another group you know that's it's good and then <clears throat> we have a group for siblings if your brother or sister died of an overdose where do you go and um franklin and how do they get a hold of you if they're a man and they're looking to be part of our group well, really, the, the best way is to go to, so I direct an organization called SADOD, Support After Death by Overdose. We do all kinds of peer help besides groups, also for frontline care providers. It's all kinds of peer help. 
uh, uh, for post-fatality um, effects uh, from the epidemic. So you go to sadod.org, and if you, right at the top, there's a, there's a directory, there's a button to get to uh, our directory, and you can search on the directory for virtual groups, for groups that only have... Uh, uh, only focus on substance use. There's a free booklet you can click up there too and get a free grief booklet um, that focuses on surviving. Matter of fact, that's what it's called, surviving an overdose death. Yeah, and um, sadod.org. Go to our directory and you can search by several different ways. And also you can email email more info at sadod.org, and I'll get that. More info, one word, at sadod.org, and I'll help you out if you can't find what you need. Okay. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Uh, we are coming up on our halftime break here, but before we go to that break, we have a caller on the line, and I just want to bring her on here because she wanted to share a couple of comments uh, in regards to the grief groups, and I'd like to welcome on Barbara from Duxbury here onto the air with us. Hello, Barbara. Hi. Thanks for uh, having me on. Um, thank you all uh, for the work that you do and encouraging people to um, seek out these Greek groups. For me, um, personally, it's it's been life-saving. Um, I lost my husband and uh, felt like I was going crazy with the grief. Um, Sorry for your loss. And I joined a group over at Hope Floats. And... I have to say, we've, we've, all of us have bonded. I think the most difficult thing to do when you're in this grief process is to ask for help. And someone mentioned that before earlier that we need to learn how to ask for help. That's a wonderful Once point. Once you get involved with, with one of these grief groups, you realize that everyone there is looking for the same kind of help and that's where you bond and that's where you um you, you get this feeling of um i guess it's more like a, a a peaceful feeling of i'm not alone it's companionship is what it is it's it's being part of the group it's feeling accepted and welcome among your peers and that's a a beautiful feeling especially in a vulnerable time to be able to have somewhere to have that feeling i mean that's pure healing process i mean stop me if i'm wrong here guys and uh, i know <clears throat> we're social creatures too and we need we need to be with others and if you're with others who are similar to yourself it makes life a lot easier you know well said well said Barbara, any other thoughts just uh, in general? And, and how long have you been involved with uh, Hope Floats before we let you go? Uh, I joined a group right after my husband passed away. And um, I stopped going to it for whatever reason. I wasn't comfortable. Maybe it wasn't the right time. Um, and then recently I joined um, another group at Hope Floats. And uh, I've been going every Tuesday for the last, um, probably month or so. I'm kind of sad to see that it's going to end soon, but a lot of us will get together hopefully soon uh, after, you know, we can gather together once we can. Absolutely. Um, and, and we've just bonded, and, and um, it's a safe place. Nobody is making any judgments. You can cry there. 
Um, you can say things that you probably wouldn't say to a lot of other people because you, you don't feel that they they're that other people get it. Um, and these people in my group certainly do get it. They're they're feeling the exact same way that I am. It's beautiful. And again, Barbara, I'm so sorry for your loss. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for calling in and listening. And I'm so happy that Hope Floats was able to help you find that peace of mind and that peace of that comfort that you need. And uh, just again, thank you so much for calling in and listening tonight. And thank you, everybody that's participating in it. I, I know that it's been a real rough time for all of you as well. Absolutely. Thank you, Barbara. Absolutely. <clears throat> Barbara, thank you again. Uh, we'll let you go. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, we are coming up on our halftime here, so we are going to step aside. Of course, everyone's going to stay right where they are. Do not touch that dial. You are listening to The People's Truth here on 95.9 FM WATD, the South Shores radio station. We'll be right back. This year, high school football is happening in the spring. And WATD is supporting our local student-athletes by broadcasting select games live as they happen. Proud sponsors of these games include Abington Bank, Amos A. Phelps Insurance, and Coastal Heritage Bank. Stay tuned for times and dates or visit 959WATD.com slash sports. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to People's Truth here. Benny Rabbi here alongside Jay Crombie, live in studio, as well as Tony LaGreca. Being joined on Zoom, David Swindell, Franklin Cook. Happy to have everybody here tonight. And uh, just as we get back into the conversation here, folks, tonight we are discussing the need and the resourcefulness of these grief groups. And if you would like to join the conversation and add anything at all, feel free, 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Now, Jay, I know it's been one of those nights, normally we'd... Uh, we're, we're very lighthearted here. We try to keep things on the smile side, the up and up, of course. But, uh, you know, every now and again, we got to have these serious conversations. And I feel like this is where we really start to, to learn and grow with each other. You know, Ben, you brought me on to kind of be the... Can you hear me? Am I being... Oh, yeah, no, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw you, I saw you mess with the knobs. I got nervous. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, As no, I was saying, worry. sorry. <laughs> you brought me on to the show to kind of be the comic relief, and then you make my job very hard on these uh, shows, but you are right. These are serious conversations that do need to be told, and uh, jokes cast aside for the evening while we get down to the nitty-gritty of it. Well, I, I would, <clears throat> I'd like to add to that, guys, though, that... <clears throat> I know uh, Franklin's been doing something else the last few months, but uh, David and I have been on with several men. And uh, <clears throat> some of our grief groups get to be light, right, David? Um, we, we discovered yep. that we have uh, all the men that are in our group, except for you, I guess, have, uh, when they go to catch mice, they have, have a hot ca cages, you know? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't believe in... Even killing mice, you know, because we've been down the road with death and we don't want any part of it. But, you know, sometimes things get, you can go off on a different subject and it's kind of comforting to be able to be lighthearted, you know. And that, that, that develops after a group gets to know each other pretty good. <clears throat> and I know my group from Hope Floats, we're, we're down at the Charlie Horse and um, 16 people at a table eating food and all talking to each other and relating to each other. And 
um, yeah. that gets to be pretty good, you know. They, they say laughter is the best medicine, no matter what, what ails you. And, you know, my grandfather gave me some great advice, and uh, it, it still rings true today, and I'm going to share it here with everybody. Laugh and the world will laugh with you. Cry and I'll give you something to cry about, you little bugger. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I never, I never did uh, learn what the other side of that was, but it's really gotten me through some tough times. So I'm happy to share yeah. that with the people here. Don't mind me, folks. Yeah. Um, but, gentlemen, I want to turn it back over to you and just share a little bit more of the experiences that you've had while helping people. Because, like we said earlier in the program, the joy and the, the profit of this is really that one more life saved, that one more hurt soul comforted whatever it needs to be to make it the best that it can be. Uh, Franklin, I'll, I'll turn it back to you just to start this one off. Well, thank you. I, you know, I, I think that, um, I think that, uh, what people, uh, or what's most rewarding to me is, uh, the fact that when you have a person close to you die suddenly, you know, like this, um, it does, it does, uh, kind of, threatened to break you, if you will. And it is a deep, deeply painful experience. And uh, when you first entering into that world, it seems like you are never going to be okay. You know, and everybody has their own experience of this, but um, when you can get together with other people and just really um, let people have their experience, nobody's, nobody's, uh, Nobody's trying to fix anything. They're just giving you a place to have your your version of of mourning and of greeting your person and letting you have your pain. And if you have somebody to give you a safe place over time where you can do that and where you can go to the other side of it, you know, it's just like you don't get over it, like Tony said. But if you can if you can have a full experience of grieving your person, that connects you to how much you love your person. You don't grieve what you don't love, you know? And so even though that's the hardest part of love is when you lose something, it's still a part of it. And so to have that profound experience with people who care about you and who are willing to let you do it your way, you know, we say everybody has to find their own way, but they don't have to do it alone, you know? So it's just a wonderful, wonderful, um, you know, it's hard. It's, you know, there's, there's terribly dark, um, and painful uh, experiences that that go with all of this, but if you just keep uh, if you just keep experiencing that as part of life, it just is part of life. Um, you know, you get through it. You know, and if people are there to help you, uh, who understand it, that just lightens the load a little bit. Thank you, <clears throat> thank you, Franklin. Um, David, when you start the the group that you're facilitating, um, in the beginning, you do this thing with the candles can you explain how you how the opening approach to get in that that makes everybody comfortable and to get to get situated to to chat you know and i i think that's a real nice thing that you do with the candles can you give us a highlight on that sure um the the groups that we run um in some ways are structured but they're really not so what we do is we we have something that we do at the beginning and something we do at the end and in the middle is totally unstructured uh, much like tony had touched on earlier but at the beginning what we do is um we want to bring both ourselves and our loved ones into the meeting or into the group or into our feelings and it's a way for us to actually share 
uh, with others in the group, our loved one. So what we'll do is we'll say our name. Um, and this is all voluntary. You don't have to, you don't have to do this. But you, you say your name, where you're from, or where you are. You, the name of your loved one. You can say the age um, and how they passed away. And then what we do is we light a candle and we'll put the candle so that you can see it during the entire meeting. And when we'll light a candle and say, like, my son is Christopher. So I would say, you know, my name is David Swindell. I'm from Milford, Massachusetts. I lost my son, Christopher uh, Swindell, at the age of 28, July 13th, 2018, of a fentanyl overdose. I'll light the candle and I'll put the candle up on a counter that I have. And then we'll, and each individual will go through and do that so that during the meeting, those candles could stay lit the entire time. So we're sort of like bringing our loved one, if you will, into the meeting um, so that we're not alone. And it's also nice because it's also another way of sharing with, other, with the other, in this case, Tony and our group, it's the men. Um, you get to know, you know, their loved one's name, their age and stuff to that effect. So all of a sudden, it also this connectedness starts to happen. And this camaraderie sort of, in a way, is kind of not the right word, but that all starts to form. So I think it serves multiple purposes. Beautiful. Yeah, I, I think one of the big things is you, sometimes you learn the hardest part for, for most people is passing these anniversaries, the date the person died or the person's birthday or a major holiday like Christmas or Easter. And and you you get to feel that you know somebody. If they, you, we know, I know that... In every group, I know the day that everybody, that people passed, you know, and and then sometimes, you know, we just send them a Facebook, thinking of you today kind of thing and um, that sort of thing. And it's what I've done in my other group is we're on Messenger and everybody's always in touch and everybody always knows what something's happening for someone. And so we're all gathering around and helping that person get through that 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 day that they've been dreading for so long, you know. And I, I think that's really a good part of it. And then at the at the close, you also uh, say something else, right? That the yeah, I, I read a clothing statement, and and it's more like you know we hope that you know our meeting tonight. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, we hope the meeting tonight, you know, has brought you relief. Um, and we also hope that you know, you know, going forward, that you are not alone. You know, and the whole thing is that at any point. You know, we meet on a biweekly basis, but anybody can reach out at any time to any one of us to connect, you know, any any day of the week. And I always tell everybody 24-7, I'm available. Mm -hmm. So it's a nice way to close out to say we respect you, we respect your loved one, we're here for you. Um, we're each on our own grief journey because we are each different, um, but we're all here to support you. That's beautiful, and that's what it's all about, is being there for the rest of the team, whomever that team is, that given day, doesn't matter. you got to be there for them. Uh, guys, we are riding the clock. We are up against our final break of the evening, so stay right there. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion to this week's episode of The People's Truth here on 95.9 FM WATD. Welcome back. You're listening to 95.9 WATD. Benny Rabbi here with you on The People's Truth. 
Once again, being joined live in studio by Jay Crombie, Tony LaGreca, and via Zoom, Mr. Franklin Cook and Mr. David Swindell. And uh, gentlemen, it's been a real pleasure being able to talk with you here tonight. Uh, here we are defying the odds. And like you said, we're talking about these grief groups tonight. And uh, just, you know, with the, the roughly little over 10 minutes we have left here, uh, I'd love for you to talk about how important that support structure is, especially, again, for the big, tough men of the world. You know, we all, you know, we don't have feelings, right? But men, uh, we really do need to lean on each other because uh, we, we talk a lot about equality in the world, but I, I think men's emotions really are overlooked, especially in this regard. We're not all stones that just uh, have nothing to us outside of that, but uh, I really applaud what you guys have been able to do as far as building those structures uh, and giving everyone something to lean on here. So, Ben, they call that John Wayne syndrome, um, and yeah. that people have to be old enough but to know who John Wayne is. But you know, big tough guy, played in the westerns and a lot of war movies. And hold on there, Pilgrim. I don't have feelings. <laughs> <It's> yeah, <laughs> something like that, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, anyways, so you know, and didn't show. You know, he's always the always the man, manly man kind of thing. And uh, you know, the thing that's reality. Um, is that the amount of suicides in the United States right now, the number one group is men between the ages of 50 and 58. And, and, and I blame that to a lot of people who have lost a loved one and they just don't know how to deal. It, it's very difficult. As we all know, I mean, the slightest change to our daily lives, our routines can be catastrophic. So losing a loved one for any reason. So I've done a lot of work with um, bereaved men over the years. I've, I, uh, I worked with TAPS, Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, which is uh, a peer grief help uh, organization for people who lose a loved one in the military by any means. And so there's a lot of men uh, there, a lot of fathers, um, a lot of battle buddies and all that too. So, no, I think men, uh, when it comes to grief, have a have some special challenges because of how we're socialized um, around emotions and how we're socialized around fixing things. Uh, there's one thing that can't be fixed. It is a loved one dying, you know, that just cannot be fixed. And so... Um, I don't know. I've just had the most wonderful experience when men get together and create a safe space uh, where they're taking good care of each other and they're they're allowing each other to, you know, let it all out. You know, pretty much it's pretty much a regular old plain old human experience. You know, all the way everything that you see in any group happens in a group in a group of men um but it's also special because there's things that we that we do need to be around each other to talk about you know and i just see that all the time that there's things that we wouldn't talk about unless it was a room full of men you know and so we don't get we don't get that uh we don't get that scene very much so it's just really precious true that jay you have a question uh, maybe yeah sure it's kind of a question um, this has been such an amazing uh, conversation and I really hope that maybe someone out there listening um, is getting or gonna try and get some help with uh, one of these peer groups but um, I would love to kind of end the note and the show on a bit of a, um, a high note now this is a question for any three of uh, you when you're coming into these peer groups, you were probably in a dark place. You've lost someone. You're going, you're kind of lost. Like you said earlier, you don't know where you're going. But I would love to maybe hear if you kind of could pinpoint like a certain time 
after going to one of these peer groups where you kind of had just had that breakthrough where you said not um not letting go but moving on and continuing was there just kind of some some time where maybe somebody pulled you aside and told you something or just something clicked and you were like i maybe i can continue on maybe you know maybe there's brighter days maybe that's a bad way to put it but um i don't know there's just maybe something that uh you could pinpoint to i think i'll let franklin answer that because um i i think i, I I think I'll let Dave answer it if he's got a... You got anything there? Oh, a double pass. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't I don't really know, really. Where I get... What has helped me is helping others. Um, that has really been... There wasn't anything where all of a sudden clicked and said, you know, I'm going to be able to do this. It was more, um, you know, how can I help others in order for them to come to grips with their grief and how to help them see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I look at it like, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. If you can, if I can continue, you can continue. And, you know, I take that with, with a tremendous amount of um, concern or, you know, I want to make sure that, that people are aware um, that they can make it through. That there is a tomorrow. That you know what? There are going to be bad days. There are going to be highs and there are going to be lows. There are going to be challenges you're going to face. But what you'll find is you'll make it through those days. You'll get through it. And you'll wake up the next day and, you know, you realize, you know, that you did make it through. And there are positives to that. And you'll be able to help others get through their grief. And that's the biggest thing. We touched on it, and I'll be real quick. Um, we touched on men and we touched on strength. And a lot of times when we're growing up, I know I, for one, was you sucked it up and you went out back out on the field. You did what you needed to do. You know, you didn't, you didn't, you know, you didn't show any emotion. You picked yourself and up. I, by I your would argue stress. in my own personal opinion, it takes bigger strength, a bigger person to show emotion, right? To, um, to be vulnerable, to, to show the fact that you, you are, you know, you are feeling these things. It's much easier to shut down. It's a lot harder to open up. So I've got tremendous respect for people who open up about their grief. And that's what we try to do is we try to help men to be aware of the fact that you're actually stronger if you're opening up your grief. And one of the biggest challenges is, is that the people that you deal with outside of these grief groups that haven't been involved in these kind of things, a lot of times, and this is my own personal opinion, a lot of times they don't want to see the grief because they don't know how to help you. They don't know... You know, you could your grief could tap into their grief and all of a sudden they become emotional and they don't want that. So they come back and they say, look, you'll be OK. You'll get over it. Don't worry about it. There's always tomorrow. They'll always give you this up, this upbeat kind of a scenario. And really, really what you might need, you might just need to cry and go through it Well said. and just Definitely. live through it. You know, right. and guess what? You'll be OK at the end of the day. Yeah, you'll be fine because you know what? Here's me, here's Franklin, here's Tony. We're okay, and we're here to help you. You are no less of a man when you say you need help. You are no less of a man if you break down and cry over something. It doesn't matter. It's just what we do. It's something that happens, and there's nothing wrong with it. You That's know? right. We are human beings. We are made of blood, sweat, and tears. Go That's figure right. that one, huh? That's right. <clears throat> and, 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 and in conclusion to that, you, you will have days... Where, you know, um, again, I've always said this, 
uh, I met somebody a few years back, and he was on his 10th anniversary of 9-11, where he lost two relatives. He lost his wife and his brother in the World Trade Centers. And he said for the first year, he just carried this humongous boulder on his back everywhere he went. And after 10 years, the boulder's still there, but his back's a lot stronger. Well, there it is. And he's, you know, and he's, um, and he's doing his thing, you know. And, and a lot of people will know when it's time, if they want to leave the group, they stay in touch with a few people. But, um, you know, going back to work, one of the problems in this country is people get two weeks off for when somebody dies. Two weeks for, uh, that's ridiculous. You know, if you lost a child, it's going to... Two gonna, weeks doesn't cover anything. No. No, nothing. Two weeks two, for a lifetime. First, two, yeah. first 10 days, you're dealing with the funeral, and you're dealing with the wake, and you're dealing yeah. with all that stuff you have to go through. There's no healing in that time. No time whatsoever <laughs> to to bereave in that scene. So you got to... Uh, it's very hard, you know, and so uh, most people need... As long as they it takes them to do it, you know, it doesn't... I think David said there's, there's no time limit. Whatever it is, for everybody's different, you know, and that's it. That's and the it. circumstances are different, so the tragedy is different, and you know. Um, well said, Tony. Well yeah. said. And, uh, we are coming up on the last couple of minutes of the show here, so I want to give these gentlemen a chance to tell everybody how they can be reached out to. How can folks contact you, Franklin? We'll start with you. Uh, any social media tags, any email addresses, phone numbers you'd like to give out, and David, I'll ask oh, you the I, same I, question I, in a moment. I think the the absolutely best way to get a hold of us is through our website sadod s-a-d-o-d dot org and if you want to email more info at sadod dot org um i'll help you out with any specifics you know that you might want to thank you very much for that sir david yourself um the same quite frankly i you know i work a lot with uh with uh franklin on sadod and, and i do highly encourage people if you're listening Please check it out. It's it is a tremendous website that's got a wealth of information for frontline caregivers, for peers, for people that are bereaved, for people that are in recovery. It, it's got a, everything. So um, you know, please check it out. Thank you very much. And, and I just like to say, call uh, Hope Floats with Wellness dot uh, org. I believe it is. Yep, Hope Floats uh, Healing and Wellness Center. It's Hope Floats Wellness dot org. Denise Denise Brack will be the person you will talk to that will interview you to try to. Dis- well, she'll decide what whether you're ready or what group you should go in. And that's again, it's five eight seven eight one five eight five four two two one. And there I want to definitely thank Franklin. And David, for thank you coming so on much. tonight. We really appreciate you, yeah, thank you being guys. here, especially on such short notice. I know that. Yes, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, Tony, thank you for coming. Jay, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to The People's Truth here on 95.9 FM WATD. Everybody, drive home safe, be safe, be well, and hold your head up high because we've got all kinds to be proud of. Have a great night. Stay safe, everybody.